0: 1 Corinthians chapter number six, verses number 15, the apostle Paul writes and he says, do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? He says, certainly not. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her for the two, he says, shall become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Flee, flee sexual immorality. Look look, look at the emphasis that he's putting on this. He says, I want you to run away. Don't, don't walk. No, no, flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body. But he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body verse number 19 declares or do you not know that your body is the temple now that's so powerful right there if you're taking notes I just need you to jot this thought down that my body is his temple help help me just minister that point because that's going to be very very relevant in just a moment my body watch this is his temple 19 declares or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you whom you have from God And you are not your own for you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's father in the name of Jesus. Thank you once again for this opportunity to share the word of God with the people, hiding myself behind the cross that men may not see. Give honor, glory to Greg. But this hour, all glory, all honor goes to you. And it is in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said Amen and amen again. Um, rock with me just for a moment. I, I had an opportunity to um, listen to uh, Bryant Lavender's audiobook on Driven um, a couple of days ago. And b Lav, if you're watching, man, I, I literally, I literally listened to the whole book in one day and it was absolutely phenomenal. And, and in the book, he tells a story when he was at camp how he kept missing the ball. And, and he just didn't understand why he was missing the ball. He, matter of fact, I think he said he really didn't catch anything that particular day. And after practice, um, his coach came up to him. He says, Lab, why you keep missing the ball? Why you keep dropping the ball, man? And, and if you know Lab, I could just see him saying this while he was talking on the audio, but he said, "I don't Coach, I don't know. <laughs> and so the coach invited him to stay after practice. And the coach says, I know why you keep dropping the ball. And he gave him this little small technique and he said for the next practice, next couple of practice, he didn't drop not a single ball. Now, I kind of consider myself as a pastor to be in a role a lot of times as a coach, uh, because there are times that we we just simply drop the ball. The Bible declares many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers us out of them all. What it's saying is that don't expect to live a trial-free, temptation-free uh, life. There are things that all of us are going to go through, and it's okay that we go through, but it's not okay that we go through waters drowning. Come on, somebody. If the floods come, we ought to be surfing. Can somebody say amen to that? If the floods do come, we ought to be backstroking. But there is a problem when when, when Christians, when believers go through troubling times and they find themselves sinking. So this is what I do as a pastor coach. When somebody comes into my office and they begin to lay out their problems, their trials, or their tribulations, what I like to do, I like to highlight three areas of concern, word, worship, and warfare, because I believe that Every believer that's actually flowing in the things of God, every believer that's actually walking on top of their trials and tribulation, they have either developed some level of competencies or they, they, are, they are continuing to perfect these particular areas, word, worship, and warfare. If you're taking notes, jot these three down because they're very, very powerful. When it comes to the word, yes, reading the Bible is important. We should find ourselves studying the word of God. But I have a, a question that's more important than just studying. Studying the Word of God? Is the Word of God actually talking to you? I'll ask a question like this. When was the last time you actually heard from the Lord? And usually that individual will say, well, Pastor, man, it's been weeks. It's been it's been months or it's been, Pastor, I don't know when the last time I've heard the voice of the Lord. And it might be the reason why you're going through the situation you're going through right now, how you going through it. I'm, I'm not talking about it's the reason why you are being troubled, but it's the reason that you're having trouble in your spirit while You having trouble in your world, if that makes sense. So number one, I want to check the level of word. Number two, I want to check worship. If you have been hearing from God, or if God did speak to you about this particular area that you're being troubled in, what is your worship life like? What is your what is your intimacy with God like? Are you saying are you speaking those sweet things in your spirit to Him? Do you have a worship time set aside? And oftentimes, that's the area that's deficient in most believers' lives. They'll read the Bible. They will hear preaching. They will hear things in their spirit, but they're not taking out time to worship the Lord. And then finally, warfare. One of these three areas are usually deficient. It doesn't matter what the problem is. It could be, Pastor, I'm having problems with my kids. I'm having problems with my wife. Financially, I'm having problems. If you are sinking as a pastor coach, I go to these three areas, word, worship, and then finally warfare, because the Bible declares, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against what? Y'all, principalities, powers, spiritual wickedness, and high places, the rulers of the darkness of this world. Are you actually engaging in warfare, or have you just put your head in the sand, hoping the devil will leave you alive? alone. I believe that these are three powerful areas in the earth that as a pastor, I can look in the life of a believer and, and if they are if they are literally drowning in trials, it's usually because there's a lack of deficiency or there's a deficiency in one of these three areas. Now watch the wisdom of where I'm getting ready to go. I believe that these three areas are so important in the earth that they also have relevancy in the heavenly realm. In the Lord's prayer, the scripture declares, our Father which art in heaven, be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done watch this in earth as it is in heaven I believe that these three word worship and warfare are 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 relevant in earth and not only are they relevant in earth they're relevant in heaven to the point that God would make them three priorities in the heavenlies now I need you to just press pause and just follow me just for a second I'm gonna say that again I believe that these three areas are not only relevant in the earth Word worship and warfare, but they're also relevant in the heavenlies that God would make them literally three priorities in the heavenly realm. How do you say that? Because as I was studying the scripture, I saw something there that I hadn't seen before. I saw, watch this, there are three archangels that the scripture highlights. Uh, The three angels are Gabriel. Michael, and Lucifer. And when you look at the function of these three archangels, it seems as though that their function correlates with the word, worship, and warfare. When we look at Gabriel, he correlates to the word because every time he shows up, he brings a word to the people of God. He shows up in the book of Daniel bringing a message. He shows up in the book of Luke talking to Zachariah, talking to Elizabeth, as well as Mary. He shows up with the word. The second second archangel that's named is, is Michael. And whenever Michael shows up, he ain't got nothing to say to nobody. Come on, somebody. Whenever Michael shows up, there is some type of warfare that's going on in the heavenly realm. We see him fighting against the dragon in the book of Revelation. We see him disputing over the body of Moses in the book of Jude. And we see when Gabriel begins to bring the message in the book of Daniel and he's been hindered by the person by the principality. Michael shows up as the head warring angel. So Gabriel correlates to the word. Michael correlates to warfare. And then the third archangel that's mentioned in the scripture is Lucifer, who correlates to, to worship. Now I want to highlight, I want to highlight Lucifer, his plight prior to his fall. Now follow me just for a moment. In the book of Isaiah, chapter number, chapter number 14, verses number 12, the Bible declares how you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How are you cut down to the ground? You who weaken the nations. Now, now, Lucifer is, is the, the person that's in, that, that we're talking about here. So let's back up to verse number 11 as it describes some characteristics about Lucifer. The Bible declares your pump is brought down to Sheol and the sound of your, well look at this, string instruments The maggot is spread under you and worms cover you. Now, let's jump to Ezekiel chapter number 28, verses number 12, where it describes Lucifer as well and highlights some characteristics prior to his fall. In Ezekiel 28 and 12, the Bible declares, son of man, take up a lamentation for the king of Tyre and say to him, thus says the Lord God, you were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty, 13 declares you were in Eden. Now, this is how we know that we're talking about Lucifer because in the garden of Eden, there were only four characters. You have God, you have Adam Eve, Adam and Eve, and then you have the serpent, which is Lucifer. He says you were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering the sardis topaz and diamond beryl onyx jasper sapphire turquoise and emerald with gold the b part of verse number 13 is what i really want to highlight the bible declares the workmanship of your timbrel and pipes was prepared for you on the day you were created now now watch this so I, I grew up I grew up um, as a percussionist in band. My dad was a drummer when he was in school, and so I followed in my father's footstep and I became a, a percussionist as well. And one of the things that I learned about an orchestra, there are three sections in an orchestra. You have the the wind instruments, you have the string instruments, and then you have the percussions. The wind instruments is anything you blow from a flute to, to, to the brass instruments. The, the string instruments anything you played viola, uh, uh, violin, or the bass, and then you have the percussion that, that includes anything that you beat. Now look at what the scripture declares about Lucifer because there's somebody that said there's somebody I heard say that he was the head choir director but he was more than a choir director somebody said that he was the chief musician but he was more than just the chief musician he himself Lucifer embodied worship look at what I'm telling you today the bible declares in chapter number 28 verses number 13 he says the workmanship of your timbrel, that's that's the percussion section and your pipes watch that that's the wind instruments prepared for you on the day you were created so some type of way that th- these three sections they were built in his being and in Isaiah 14 11 here are the string instruments the Bible declares your pomp is brought down to Sheol and the sound of your string instruments so within Lucifer's being he has the string section the percussion section and the wind section all on the inside of him he wasn't just the worship leader Lucifer himself embodied Worship. Now press pause for a second because we're starting a brand new series today simply entitled The Life of a Worshipper. And if there's anybody in here today, my God, you ready to take your relationship with God to a whole nother dimension? If you you will embody these lessons that God has given me, he's downloaded in my spirit. I'm telling you, if you will begin to practice the principle that I'm seeing in this text today, it's gonna revolutionize, revolutionize your life. Can somebody say amen to that? The life of a worshipper for the next couple of weeks is going to be our focus now hmm, before I go back to Lucifer and all that he represents concerning worship let me just highlight worship itself what is worship all about these are the three things that God gave me and if you're taking notes I need you to jot these three things down worship demands three things number one it demands attention number two it demands a sacrifice number three worship demands a place that's right worship is more than the time of our service it's more than uh you lifting your hands it's more than somebody striking a note on an organ but worship itself if it's gonna be worship it demands these three things number one again attention number two it demands a sacrifice number three it demands a place lucifer embodied all three of these elements he himself was the place of worship because all three sections of an orchestra were placed on the inside of his being i'm getting ready to proof text this for you in reverse so just for my theologians you just, just hang tight just for a second Lucifer himself embodied worship he was the place of worship and the sacrifice that he gave was yielding his vessel to what it is that God created him to do what was the opposite of his sacrifice when he chose to rebel against God but his sacrifice is when he kneeled himself down to be what it is that God called him to be and the attention and the focus was upon God but this was the plight of Lucifer in Ezekiel chapter Number 28 verses number 14. The scripture declares you were the anointed cherub. Who covers? I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of fiery stones. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created. Teal, watch the wisdom. Iniquity was found in you. Verse number 17 declares, your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. Your, you corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. I laid you before kings that they might gaze at you. You look, look Look at the word of God here. Verse number 18. I told you that you, Lucifer himself was the place of worship. The scripture declares, Lucifer, you defile the place of worship. You defile your sanctuary. Why? By the multitude of your iniquities. Where? Well, where was the iniquities found at? We see this in verse number 15. The Bible declares that iniquity was found in him. It was found in the place of worship. It was found in his sanctuary. Again, verse number 18, you defile your sanctuary by the multitude of your iniquities, by the the iniquity of your trading therefore I brought fire from your midst it devoured you and I turned you to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all who saw you let's jump to Isaiah 14 12 this is just a foundational message so I need y'all to stay with me Isaiah 14 12 declares how you are falling from heaven O Lucifer son of the morning how were you cut down to the ground you who weakened the nations for you have said in your own in your heart I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. Verse number 14 declares, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds and I will be like the most high. Now follow me for a moment. Worship demands attention, sacrifice, and a place. If it's actually gonna be worship, it has to have all three. Attention, sacrifice, a place. Lucifer himself was the place because all of the, all of the orchestra uh, uh, instruments were placed on the inside of him. His sacrifice was yielding his vessel to what it is that God created him to do, and the attention and the focus was on God. The scripture teaches in Isaiah 14, 14, Lucifer says, I will ascend above the heights of the cloud. So the first, if we're gonna lose worship, I'm talking about in EMCC right now. If we're gonna lose worship, the first thing that the enemy is gonna try to do is take your attention off of God, because watch this, if your attention is off of God, you won't sacrifice nothing to God. And if you don't sacrifice nothing to God, then the temple becomes desolate. I wonder, can you say amen right there? So the Bible declares in verse number 15, yet you shall be brought down to hell, to Sheol, to the lowest depths of the pit. So we see in Isaiah 14:15, the devil gets fired from his position of worship. But you got to understand one thing about God, because God is worthy. We say all the time, God is good all the time. Come on, somebody. How we say that? And all the time. Thank you, sir. God is good because he's good all the time. He is worthy. And because he is worthy, he demands worship. I want to help somebody in this place. So when the devil got fired, God says, I'm going to raise up another system of worship. And we first see this system in worship in the Old Testament where he develops a place a sacrifice and then attention all over again. The place is the temple. The sacrifice is the, where, where, is the altar where the animals will be sacrificed and the attention, of course, is given to God. Now watch the wisdom of what I'm getting ready to say. The place is the temple. The altar is where we present our sacrifices. Understand how important sacrifices are because, ooh we this, here's a sacrifice. When I take something of value, that I could have used for personal gain, and I decide to give it to God that's a sacrifice I want to help somebody in this place this is where Lucifer missed it he lost his attention from God and he focuses attention on this self. therefore he stopped sacrificing his being to God and he started using his gifts for his own glory I want to help somebody in this place so if the enemy again can take your attention he stops your sacrifice he desecrates your temple the devil gets fired but God says I'm gonna raise up a new system that's gonna foreshadow what I really want I'm gonna establish a temple in the earth, and in the temple, I'm going to allow them to offer sacrifices that give attention and glory to me, but this is only temporary because the sacrifice that I really want, the attention who I really want it from, and the temple that I really want to establish is no longer Lucifer, is no longer within the Jewish culture of the sacrificial system, but you want to know where the true system is now? Do you want to know where the true temple is now—the place of sacrifice and and the focus of attention? We see it in First Corinthians, chapter number three, verses number sixteen, where the Bible declares, "Do you not know?" that you are the temple of God I want to help somebody in this place whereas the enemy that Lucifer used to be the embodiment the place of worship the scripture is declaring that you my friend you are now the temple of God that the and, and that the spirit of God dwells in you chapter number six verses number 19 the Bible declares or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you whom you have from God and you are not your own for you were bought at a price therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit which are God's you are the place of worship I wonder can you say amen right there So if I, myself, my body is the place of worship, then what is the sacrifice? We see that in Romans chapter number 12, verses number 1, where the writer says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Verse 2 highlights the attention. It says, and be not conformed to this world. In essence, take your attention off of natural, tangible, worldly things and put your attention on me. Because you your body is the place of worship you yourself is the sacrifice and God is saying I need your attention now I'm done but I want to highlight something that we've been studying now for three weeks we've been in a series of spiritual warfare in our small groups and some people ask the question Why is the enemy attacking me the way he's attacking me? Why am I going through what I'm going through? Why does it seem as though that I can't get a break in life? Why is the devil after me? I'll tell you why he's after you. Because, my friend, you took his place in worship. Whereas he used to be the embodiment of worship, he no longer is. It is you and I, my friend, that God is calling his place of worship. It is you and I that God is saying, I want you to sacrifice. Sacrifice yourself to me. Now watch what I'm getting ready to say. This is so powerful. I, I was thinking about this because I was trying to ghetto by this. So I'm, I'm talking about just break it down so that a baby could understand it. And this is, was the only example um, that came to mind. So I want to apologize in advance. So watch this. Um, I was in the 10th grade, man. And um, so going into the 10th grade, uh, I wanted to be the man. I had followed my big sisters and all her friends. All I'm talking about all my little life, and so I, I want to be as popular as they were in this, their senior years. And so he, he, here's the wisdom that I, I came up with: if I'm gonna be recognized, I'm talking about as a as a freshman sophomore, by upperclassmen, the only way I know how to do it is that I need to date an upperclassman. Yeah. So when I entered into high school, ninth and tenth grade, it was my goal find a girl <laughs> who was not only older than me in a few grades above me come on somebody because as a as a freshman i just couldn't walk in a you know in a group of seniors but if i'm if i'm dating somebody that's a senior by default i get access into the cool senior group so so i found somebody she was a senior and uh you know what i'm saying i did i did my thing like what's up man Name, no, let me let me stop let me stop. I never was cool. Praise the Lord. Watch this man. So so um, uh, I started dating this girl, and then then years a uh, uh, few weeks later, after dating her, um, I got a call from one of my buddies because I was sick. I was at home, and uh, this buddy called me. Yeah, let me throw him under the bus. Corey Dorsey, praise the Lord, called me, and Corey said, uh, "Hey G, you at the fair, ain't you?" And I was sick. I was like, "No oh, man, I ain't at no fair." Corey said, oh, yeah, dog, you at the fair. And I said, no, man, I'm at home and I'm sick. Well, he said, if you ain't at the fair, your girl at the fair, and she with somebody who ain't you. And I just broke down on the phone crying. (laughs) She was cheating on your boy, y'all. She was cheating on your boy. So, nevertheless, I broke up with her. (laughs) I think it was already over. But watch this. A couple of months later, I get myself together and uh, I start dating this other girl. And when I started dating this other girl, the girl who cheated on me started calling me. And so that didn't work out. So, you know, a couple of months later, I started dating somebody else. And after dating somebody else, I noticed she called me again. That didn't work out. So it was maybe a year or so later. I hadn't heard from this other girl. I started dating somebody else, and when I started dating somebody else, all of a sudden, I started getting calls from the one who cheated on me. You know what hit my brain? Because when I was single, she wasn't messing with me, but when I started talking to somebody else, all of a sudden, now she's starting to call. You know what hit my brain? You don't want me, but you don't want me with nobody else. Let me tell you why warfare is so heavy in your life. The devil don't want to worship God, but he don't want you to worship him either. I'm going to let that marinate in the air right there again. I'm going to say it's so good. I'm going to say it again. I, I'm telling you, the devil does no longer want his job to worship God, but he don't want you to worship him either. So he will bring levels of spiritual warfare into your life to get your attention off of God because he knows if your attention is off of God, then you won't make sacrifices to God. And a temple without, sacrifice, without sacrifices is desecrated. I wonder, can you say amen right there? So what is the enemy trying to do? He's trying to mess with your worship. He's trying to steal your worship. And for many of you all, it's easy. Some of you guys, it's real easy because understand, as, as human beings, God created us for the express purpose of giving him glory. We are created for the purpose of worship. So it's impossible. I, I need you to hear this. It, it is literally impossible not to be a worshiper. You're always going to worship something. You might not worship God, but you're always going to worship something. I want to help somebody in this place because worship demands attention, sacrifice in a place. And whatever has your attention, you will begin to make sacrifices for it. And whatever you make sacrifices for, you will create space for it. I want to help somebody in this place. And if your, if your attention, watch this, is on your own selfish ambitions, then you'll make sacrifices for yourself and you will only create space for your own glorification. But I'm telling you today, the devil is absolutely a liar. The scripture teaches in the book of John that God seeks for worshipers. Why does he seek for worshipers? Because there are too many people that's calling on his name that he doesn't have their attention. And because he don't have their attention, he doesn't have that sacrifice And because he doesn't have that sacrifice, there is no space for him in their hearts. God says, I'm looking for worshipers. I'm looking for people who will make spaces that I've already paid for. Ooh, I'm I'm, I'm looking for, I'm I'm done, but I I need you to hear me. Jesus, I rushed through this message. I'm sorry, y'all. I was just too excited. But I hope you got the wisdom of what God has given to me on today. This is the trip, man. So <laughs> I was I was playing with my son. I was playing with my son uh, last night, and uh, we were just kind of just just chilling. And uh, so I was in his room, and uh, Nate walked out of his room. And uh, I said, Greg, is this, this you and Nate room? this you and Nate room? And he was like, yeah, I, I guess. I said, is it you and Nate room, or is it your room? And he said, uh, and I said, is it you and Nate room? Is it your room? Or is it my room and I just let you live in my house? He said, it's your room and you just let me live in <laughs> I, I was just being funny, but the reality is I paid for the house. So really it is mine. You don't be be ridiculous. I'm not going overboard, but but just follow me. It literally is my house. I paid for it. So if it's mine and it's paid for, I ought to be able to do what I want to do with my house. For the believer, the Bible declares, you have been bought with the price. So the temple is actually already the Lord's. how your body his house and you won't let him do what he want to do with it and this is where many of us miss it because see see if you feel in condemnation then you're missing it i, I don't want you to be condemned the devil is a lie. no 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 if you feel in conviction you got it but because if you feel in condemnation then you'll start trying to do a bunch of good things and i'll start doing this and i'll start doing that and but no no, no. reality is if your body is not the place of worship It's not even about the sacrifices first. It's about where your attention is. And there are some of us as believers, God don't have our attention. I'm not saying you're not saved. I'm not saying that you're not a believer. I'm not saying that you don't love the Lord. I ain't saying none of that. I'm just saying he's not a priority in your life. And whatever is a priority in your life, when it comes down down to it, that is what you're actually going to make sacrifices for. So if God is here and my career is here, if God is here, my children here, God is here, my spouse is here, whenever whatever is here contradicts what he wants, this is where I'm going to make the sacrifice. And if I continue to make sacrifices, they become my object of worship because I literally create space in my life for them and the more space I create for other things the more I actually edge God out God has been too good to us God says make space for me again how you do it pastor? God just don't want to be a part of your life but he literally wants to be ingrained in every piece of fabric in your life that's one of the things that I love about the word of God The fact that it has something to say about every area of my life. Here's my marriage manual, how to raise children, here it is, how to be a good employee, how to be a good boss, how to pastor, how to be a faithful servant, how to be a faithful member, how to treat people, how to treat people I love, How to treat people I don't even like. (laughs) Send the manual, man. I'm, I'm talking about God wants to be interwoven into every part of your life. And there are too many of us we have God compartmentalized here. We got our little religion. But God says, take me out the box. Take me out the box. The Bible declares: if you will confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus. Believe in your heart that he raised him from the dead, you shall be saved.